1: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing Booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing Booker
0: hey guys welcome to the working class bowhunter podcast the podcast is presented by elite archery we've been shooting elite for a long time uh, proudly made. In America, if that matters to you, it should. Um, U.S. We challenge you to take the shootability challenge with Elite. Go to a local dealer, find a dealer that carries Elite, and just give one a try. You might love it. We love them. uh, That's all we ask. We think you'd enjoy it, too. So check out EliteArchery.com. Use code WCB there. Pretty easy. Um, The podcast is also brought to you by Big Time. And big time, if you live in a state that offers supplemental feed, they have that. And they have food <clears> plot <throat> seeds. So something for everyone. Use code WCB2021 to save yourself some coin on some good stuff for your deer. Cha-ching. You're going to like it. Or whatever animal, my be. I guarantee deer. it. I guarantee it. That's, all, what's, that's a, You're going to like the way your buck looks. Um, I guarantee it. That's what you're doing. Yeah, it's like that. The podcast is also brought to you by loophole Optics very proud of that partnership. We love loophole based out of Beaverton, Oregon. We'll That's right. Great people, great products uh from rangefinders to binos to spotting scopes for us. We don't really use the rifle scopes cuz we're not um into gun hunting as much but they make great scopes too mm-hmm. um performance eyewear they got it all uh we think you'll like it loophole optics check them out tell them that we sent you that it helps out mm-hmm. the midwest takeover is what we're calling it loophole is going to be more and more involved in the whitetail game as uh, as we work together so yeah. give them a shot or you just go buy whatever is at your big box store you know go out and and play with the loophole um also spy point cameras um from a cell link which is a great entry way to get into some spy points to the link micros um they really have a lineup for everybody at a good price great price and you can be an insider an insider club on there you get different pricing on your plans and entered into giveaways and all sorts of good stuff like that um if you're gonna buy a cell cam, just check them out. We think and they have like a free them.
2: plan for hundred pictures a month,
0: which is sweet during the summer. Yep, sweet during the summer or in a spot where you don't get a ton of traffic. Yeah. So, um, and you can kind of you get better pricing with the Insiders Club, or you can kind of just price out what works for you, or do the free plan. Why not? Um, Rogue Ridge e-bikes, uh, the entry and exit strategy for a lot of people come in and. In and out of the deer woods, and even probably the western woods, whatever they're hunting. Um, e bikes are changing the way, no scent trail, silent, and it's fun. Yep, I think people just forget it's fun. Hell, you can even ride over to your buddy's house and drink a few beers, you know. I mean, maybe you've done it. No, <laughs> I'd never do that. No, um, the podcast also brought to you by Scent Crusher, been working with Scent Crusher for a long time. Um, I know. You know, you can't always go scent-free no matter what, but it goes it helps to go in as scent-free as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, always play the wind, but why not take every precaution that yeah. you can, especially if you're hunting mature whitetails. You're dumb not to try it. Go the extra mile. Yeah, go the extra mile from the gear bag, the roller bag, everything. Love our Scent Crusher stuff. Uh, check them out, ScentCrusher.com. And then that all being said, With another one of our partners that kind of ties into all our other partners is Old Barn Taxidermy. Yep. You know, you you spend your hard-earned money on some of these products that we believe in, products that believe, or people behind the product that believe in us in order to partner with us. Don't go cheap on your taxidermy. Two things I don't cheap on, tattoos and taxidermy. It's pretty good. Boom. And that's it. Everything else, maybe I'm cheap out, but I'm a cheap ass. I'm over I pay for convenience anytime I can. (laughs) Like I'm I'm shopping at Harbor Freight, you know. Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm a Pittsburgh man, so uh, what's up? That's right. (laughs) <laughs> um and also novix tree stands uh we have a code for them working class 21 for 15 percent off and novixoutdoors.com um you can get into an american made tree mm-hmm. stand um for real like really reasonably priced and you can get into one for under uh bear stand with offset bracket 9.2 pounds that's, per, that's pretty on. kick that's, that's, ass. That is kick
2: ass. That's always awesome. kick
0: ass. And what's great about them, they are local to us, mm-hmm. so that's even better. Uh, Made in USA. They're proud, proud of that, and we're proud to be partnered with them. That's pretty right. awesome. Uh, back in the tree stand game, so check them out. That's code W. We're uh, back. Working class twenty one. I, I always go WCB like in my head. Working class twenty one for fifteen percent off. Mm-hmm. Um, tell them we sent you. Hey. thank home. you for tuning into the podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. We we got through them, so you can get to the show. Thanks for being here.
1: I'm Chase Rawlson with RubLine Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt.
0: Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV.
3: Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail
0: Adrenaline. Hi, I'm
3: Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors.
0: Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Phone Collector.
3: Hey, this is Melissa Bachman.
0: Working class, working class, working class, working, class, Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter episode 470. Right, or, let me read that over. You're turning into working-class bowhunter podcast. It's the morning show, The Rock. We are recording in the morning. It's like... Uh, okay, we haven't done one of these in a hot minute. What time is it? It's like 9.45 a.m. So for us, that's a really early show. Yeah. Because normally it's like a little later. Um, so anyway, good to see you guys bright and early for us. Mm-hmm. We have some special guests in studio all the way from the east. The Outdoor Drive podcast fellows are in the house. What's up, guys? What's
3: up, man? Thanks What's for having happening. us, buddy.
0: Introduce you yourselves. So people get to know your sweet, sweet voices.
3: Oh geez, that's not a good idea. Uh <laughs> uh Trev Trevor Berwick. Uh they call me East Coast Trev. I'm from Connecticut. Uh that's about what, eighteen hours from here. <laughs> it sucks. Only. It's, it's, it's a, it's a oh, tough ride. <laughs>
0: tough tough gig. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and I'm Stephen Clark or uh just Steve, as it seems to have been termed lately, so
0: we we'll call you Simply Steve. Yeah. Simply, simply, hey, simply I like it. I,
5: I could go with that.
0: At least it's got a little <laughs> meaning behind it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, thank you guys for making the haul. Dude, thanks for having right. us, bro. We talked about this, like, shortly after the shoot, right? Because mm-hmm. you guys drove all the way out here for the shoot, which is killer. It's kind of like a tradition now. Yeah, it is. I consider it anyway. I don't know. You guys are probably sick of it. No. Nah. And then, um, I don't know how it got brought up, but I was like, we got to get you guys out here, line it up for your guys' 100th episode, yeah. which... Uh, in studio. Yeah, which I don't know how where this will air versus when your 100th episode will air, but we're kind of killing two birds with one stone having you guys in. And I, we were talking before this. I'm like, you guys have been on, haven't you? And I realize you guys haven't been on the podcast yet. And But you've done, we've podcasted with you before, Trev. Yep. But, you know, just we're fresh now. We're, we're starting. Starting new. Starting bright. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that it. was past times. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want to give a big shout out to you guys for being a part of the Hunter's Box Club. That was pretty cool. You guys had a pretty cool shirt in there. Yeah.
3: Thank you for that, man. We really appreciate it, honestly.
0: Yeah. I'm helping out with Hunter's Box Club for anybody that has a company or an item they'd like to throw in the box. um, Hit me up. I'm helping out with that. Um, It's kind of like a win-win on the marketing side of things for a business or a small business even. So, Um, But, yeah, I was like, hey, we got to do a shirt with you guys, and you guys will kill it promoting it. And you guys did.
3: We appreciate it, man, because it actually came out with a really cool t-shirt and mm-hmm. kind of went across and a lot of people actually got it. So it was actually really cool for us. If, if awesome. um,
0: I, I think that it'll already be out by the time you're listening to this. If you're already signed up for the box, there's a loophole box coming and it, there's some goodies in there. You're not getting BX5 Santium, you know, 10 by 42s in the box because <laughs> damn it, for $20 a month, it doesn't really add up that way. But <laughs> trust me, if we could do that, we would do it. So, um, but anyway, like there's some good stuff that I'm working on lining up and If you have suggestions, let me know. But talk about the Outdoor Drive podcast, like how long you guys been doing it, who the hell you guys are, how you guys met, like give us the the nitty-gritty, the background.
3: Oh, geez. Um, So how it all started, honestly, was I was part of a a past project. Things didn't go all that well. Uh, Steven was actually a guest on it, and uh, we became pretty good friends, and we had actually talked about him partnering up with us and Mm -hmm. becoming a Mm co-host, and then kind of things kind of went south there, and... I reached out to Steven, and I was like, "Hey Stephen, um, things went south real quick. We got a short period of time. We need to get back up and rolling." Mm-hmm. Well, and, you got
5: to define short period of time. Uh, it was like a week. <laughs> oh, really?
3: That's all it was. Yeah, it was. It happened quick because the Harrisburg show was about to happen, and we're like, "Well, we need to release this in Harrisburg. Like, we can't. We can't just stop the content because people were there, you know, supporting us and listening to us. Let's just do this. Let's hit it hard. Let's Smart. go." And so Steven was like, I'm in. So we kind of hit the drawing board and had to come up with a logo, this, that, and the other thing. And so we got all that. And then some of the people that kind of close to us, they advised us about not doing what we had come up with. Um, And they're like, you need to do something different. So then we went back to the drawing board. Now we got three days to do this, right, before we're about to head off to Harrisburg. And next thing you know... We end up coming up with the Outdoor Drive podcast, and then we ended up launching it at um, uh, the Harrisburg show. What year and couple months ago? February. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, kind of snowball effect from there, man. It just kind of took off, and you know we were kind of in the realm of the bow hunting thing before, mm-hmm. and it just kind of pigeonholed us to where myself, I'm not only just a bow hunter. Yeah, like I'm a full outdoorsman, and Steven himself also. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of more of a a better way to go, being able to, you know, talk about fishing, hunting, camping, hiking. I mean, pretty much anything in the outdoors, not just into the bow hunting realm, you know, because the bow hunting realm for me is like what I love to do, but the fishing is what I do for a living. So it's like, I want to talk about that. Like, there's just so much out there to be talked about. And I think that there's just like a a big market that we were missing.
0: Talk about it without people being like, this is a bow hunting podcast. We're talking about fishing. I mean, (laughs) you could do whatever you want, but I know what you're saying. Uh, It's a good move on your guys' part. Well, there's bow fishing. There's bow fishing, right. yeah, but I mean, once again, you're also limited to the bow, f- bow hunting side of fishing, I guess, too, and uh, that's where our niche is, obviously. Right. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it can be challenging. But we turn down some podcasts because it's like we want to talk about rifles. That's cool, but it's not our thing, bro. It's not our show, but right. which you know we would do one probably eventually. But yeah, I mean, smart move on your guys' part.
3: And it's just nice because then it, then it keeps that content. Like, I mean, you guys probably know it's tough to keep that content throughout the off season. With bow hunting, right? Or, mm-hmm. well, it was for me anyways. You know, we live in the east and there's just so many other things to be doing. Yeah. And um, so the fishing aspect, we can go through the whole entire summer and talk about fishing and everything mm-hmm. else, you know, and not just be into the hunting realm. Mm-hmm. And the people around us, they do that too, you know? So it's kind of cool to have a podcast like that, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, it broadens like what you can talk about. And I like it. that's a good move. And, you know, props to you guys for rolling it out so hot right before the show. I mean, strike hard, strike fast. It's what you guys did. So you a little over a year?
3: Yeah, we're a little bit over a year now.
0: And you're at right at the hundred episode mark. It's awesome. You're yeah. Getting to work, kicking ass. We tried to. It's been a grind. I ain't yeah, gonna it's, lie. It's, that, that no, we, people don't understand it. Everybody wants a podcast until.
3: What do you guys call it? What's that? The coronavirus.
0: The coronavirus podcast. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. like it, it just birthed a lot of podcasts. It Did man. Which is great, but um, I think people realize quick. It's like, oh shit, to do this and be consistent at it's it. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of
5: work. I mean, we, we set the precedents early the way I kind of look at it is we had 72 hours to go from nothing to ready to produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were balls to the wall
0: from the get-go, and it's just kind of fed on since. Yeah. It's a ton of planning and real fast. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, props to you guys for committing. That's a cool thing, too, is I, I think, you know, hunting's our passion, but I'm pretty obsessed with podcasting the more mm-hmm. we're into it. You know, it's like this is our – today we're recording our fourth podcast of this week. Yeah now that's not ideal every week cuz we're all busy and it's a, it's a grind and you know coordinating and planning and all that but how bad do you want it
3: exactly you and know th- the thing with podcasting is that like we say it all the time like we we do it and we love it but the, it's, there's so much, it's just more of an excuse to be able to meet a lot of people and do yep. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like we just use that as an excuse. Like, Hey, we're going to podcast and then we get to hang out with like you guys, man, to mm-hmm. come out here and podcast. Like that's like going on a big hunt for us. Like, it's just so yeah. cool to be around everybody in the com- camaraderie inside. Like just like being in camp, man, like spending mm-hmm. time, having drinks, bullshitting, spending time with mm-hmm. each other. I mean, showing deer pictures because it's before season. I mean, it's so yeah. cool to us, you know, like and, when, yep. what else are you going to get that?
0: And the people you get to meet is just unbelievable. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that is a good way to put it. It's like we figured out a way to take like that during season celebration and fun and stretch it out every once a minimum of once a week, every right. week for a year, mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, and then even then it's almost like our trade shows, a lot of guys in the industry, if you talk to you guys have been in it for a long time, they yeah. don't really dig trade shows are kind of over burnt burnout on it a little mm-hmm. bit, which I get kind of, but for us, we still have so much fun because that's like the ultimate hunting camp because we get to see Everyone we're friends with. That's right. And then people that listen as like a hunting camp camaraderie weekend. You know, we're not hunting. It'd be cooler if that was possible, but it's not possible that way. Right. So it's the next best thing. Get to talk about it.
3: Well, it was like last night we got to stay in the studio here and all throughout the night, like I kept waking up and I'm like, we're podcasting tomorrow. Like, it was just like opening day to <laughs> me. Because I was like, up
0: behind the
5: first thing you it's like, Christmas it's like, like, like opening day. I'm like, dude, calm down.
3: <laughs> no, but it's cool because t- to have the chance to be here with you guys and you guys have kind of paved the, the way for a lot of us podcasters that fall behind you guys. And you guys have like kind of set that precedence for us, man. Like w- I, me personally, man. I, I mean, everything over the years of, you know, talking to you guys and stuff, you guys have just like totally just made that way and just guys I look up to are you guys you know what I'm saying so to be here and and be able you know we're staying in the studio and waking up and then you're like oh we're podcasting today Mm -hmm. and it just kept me up like the anxiety was like oh I get the podcast with the WCB boys like so badass you (laughs) know (laughs) know?
0: well I mean you I mean you guys have been awesome like you know it's not we can't be the only podcast and we want people to listen to other good podcasts and I put you guys up there with other good podcasts so it's like you know, it, it's kind of like when you look at the, like, I I listen to, like, Fighter and the Kid and Rogan and, like, Duncan Trussell mm-hmm. and, like, Joey D, like, the, that Circle of Comedian podcast. You all kind of know they're in cahoots. Right. You know what I mean? That's um, like that circle. I mean, the, the outdoor industry should probably have something like that, too, you know?
3: I totally agree. And some of the things that I say, like, we've been on other podcasts or talking to other podcasters and stuff when we had some pretty cool people that we've worked with, and – I say to them all the time, like there's so much room for a lot of other podcasters Definitely. and we all stick together and, you know, we all help each other, talk to each other. You know, you get in kind of like your niche group, you know, like you might re- release a podcast on Monday. I might release one on Tuesday. Someone else might re- release one on Wednesday. Like there's yeah. plenty of room for everybody, for sure. you know, for all the good people. And yep. we just kind of gather together and kind of move forward. I mean, yeah. because something that I have on our podcast about fishing is, is not something that they're going to learn on your yeah. It's show and vice versa. Yep. You know, so it's it's out there, man. It's just a learning. You know, it's like it's like having different books. You're not going to just read the same book over and over again. Exactly. Right? You're going to yeah. go and find another one. Yeah, so.
0: you don't only like one TV show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But too, you know, a lot of it plays in. I guess advice for people that are wanting to start one, or are like fresh into the game of it. You also have to have like your niche or something that's unique to you because. Like we're getting we've been getting a lot of camera questions like, I don't know if it's because we've been filming them like we know a lot about cameras we don't but um <laughs> so we have a guy for that <laughs> but, but, like a lot of people I think just think they can do like um all right we're gonna take what jury outdoors does and we're gonna make our own hunting show it's gonna be like jury but it's gonna be us but then they just basically copied everything structure for structure all the way through and it mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere well it's like well that's already been done like you have to find kind of your niche like You'd define your style or your pocket. Just like I don't imagine it'd be like, I'm not a musician, but I can only imagine if you're like, I'm going to start writing songs, it probably takes you a little while to figure out what kind of songs you write because you right. fall into your style.
4: Yeah. Kind every artist has their own style. Yeah, yeah. It's only interesting if it's original.
0: That's it, too, you know? Or, you know, original and like be yourself and have your own twist, which I guess is being original, you know, just another way of wording it. But I think that's the big thing in being successful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of guys regurgitate, we talk about this kind of a lot here, and there – regurgitate information. Everybody tries to be the expert, and then regurgitate information they don't actually know that they heard Ross say it about killing a two hundred incher, and then I'm in here like I killed a two hundred incher, trying to talk about it, and everyone's like, <laughs> "Bitch, bitch, <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> no you know, really. shit, <laughs> no you didn't." Yeah, but that's that, the same no, with,
3: with podcast content too. Like you see guys that on Instagram, and like maybe you'll post something, and then they'll post something very similar and stuff. Like I. Go out and kind of get your own thing and kind of fall in your own realm because yeah. one day, like if they follow that your podcast and they see that they see that you made one type of content and then they go to another guy two days later and they still fall in that same thing and you have the same content, and it's like, come on, man, you know, like kind of do your own thing, get in your own yeah. niche, like like you talk about it all the time, and and I kind of taken that kind of to heart where you don't really you don't follow along or listen to a lot of hunting podcasts because you don't want to fall into that realm. I don't want to subliminally
0: affect what I do.
3: Exactly.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. And if I do do something that another show does, or like say somebody like, you know, uh, like, you know, you hang out with different people. Like Ross might have a saying, Mm -hmm. like zap that prick right in the heart. Like (laughs) Ross said, not that that's a saying that Ross says. It's just funny. (laughs) If I just hung out with Ross and that was like his thing, eventually eventually I'm going to start saying like (laughs) subconsciously it's like, or if someone says rad all the time, and next thing you know, you've been hanging out with them for three, four months, and you're like, "Oh man, that's rad." You're like, "Oh shit," even though you're like, "Hey, at first, like rad's stupid," and then after a while, you're like, "Yeah, that's rad." Like,
1: yeah, God <laughs> damn, no, I'm saying that. It was like the other day. Yeah. Uh, I say stuff all the time at home, but I caught my wife saying what I say all the time. Like she said it and just basically copied how I said it. I'm like, yeah, "We've been hanging around each other too long, I guess." Well, I mean, it's just part of it. And nothing's wrong with that. That's right. called, you know, being
0: your friends. Like, that's kind of what's, yeah. what's funny. But uh, I don't want that from a production standpoint of, like, mm-hmm. you know, pick up on something that you say all the time. And all of a sudden, I'm saying it. And then. But it's not always, like, words. It could be, like, topics or a segment or whatever. I'd rather it be a, con- a complete coincidence. Right. If it happens. And then it's just, like, sorry, but.
3: Well, there's only so many things that you can do in a podcast, right? Like that's you're going to have segments, you're go- you're going to have overlapping segments, overlapping
0: but, guests, you're going to have topics and all that. But it's how, it's your
3: delivery. You got to make it on your own. It's your delivery. Mm-hmm. You got to change it. Yeah. So even if somebody has a veteran shout out like you guys have, they can do it in a different manner. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. that's fine. But it, just don't directly copy somebody else. You yeah, know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, or, it, one thing things I've things
5: learned out. is that you know when you have multiple people interviewing the same guest. It's actually very satisfying when you can pull information out of them mm-hmm. that no one else could. Right. You yeah. know, you take that conversation in a different direction, and, I mean, you feel yeah. accomplished because, hey, we brought something new.
0: Yeah. yeah. So and a lot I, of it, too, is, like, even if we've ever done that, it's just because I thought it would be interesting to talk to them about whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Versus you guys might be like, well, I know this guy did went on this hunting trip. I want to I know about, like, he went on this big fishing trip. You guys might tap into that, whereas we heard he went on a whatever moose trip. Yeah, he killed a moose and maybe wasn't successful, but for some reason we were really interested in like tell us what happened on the hunt, and that might be our angle. Whereas you guys interview him a different way, and you tap into people differently. Well,
5: Johnny Utah was a great experience with that because you know everyone's hit him up for you know all the stuff he's done his background over and over and over. We caught him right after he did that big catfish down there on Potomac. Yeah, you what know, do they call that, the, the Cat Masters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we were cat able to catch masters. him on that and actually talk that as part of the show. Mm-hmm, you know? yeah. So no one had heard it. No one. He hadn't really got to explain that other than the
0: show. So. See, that's a perfect example because he talked about it on our podcast, but we're limited in, like, how far we're going to talk about that. Like, we were like, what is that, you know? Whereas you guys probably tapped into it in a completely different way. Right. Because you know more and you're kind of – that's your niche is, like – you you kinda of talk about everything that way and could deep dive and plus you guys know more about fishing than we'll ever know. But you guys
4: have any catfish out there on the east coast? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I Where mean, he
0: that's... was doing it, that was my backyard.
5: That's nice. just down the road from okay. me. really. So yep. that's cool. We've got the okay. big convergence of three or four big rivers that are wonderful for smallmouth and catfish. Well, yeah. A big old catchy. All the good stuff.
0: Really, awesome. So. What's um the only time I ever eat fish
4: or anything is like when you guys are around. Seriously, like <laughs> Trev's around, i like, what is this? Oh, okay, I'll eat that. I'm kind of excited whenever Trev comes back in town. He's bringing a little treat from the sea. He's what always is, got good food with him. What, oh, do yeah. get, what do you got for us this time, Trev?
3: Uh, I brought down some thresher steaks, and then you guys, the always oh, the famous explain thresher. So thresher is obviously uh, it's a big t- big shark. Well, it's obviously. obviously it's not obvious. Well, oh, sorry. It's not <laughs> obvious to exactly. the Midwest so, boys. So We're landlocked, so <laughs> son. So it's a shark. So you have we have mako threshers, hammerheads. Uh, obviously, we have great whites. We have a you know a slew brown sharks, lemon sharks. It's, we I ha- know we don't have lemons. I'm sorry, leopard sharks. But um, can you eat great whites? You can actually. Great whites are phenomenal eating. Um, they actually, but now it's on the endanger list, so now you can't kill them. Oh really? But back in the day, there's like there's a lot of old fishermen that I know that are still captains, and they were able to kill some uh, great whites back in the day, and they tell all the stories. Like they come up on like a big um whale kill and there'll be a giant uh great white eating on it and then they'll take their mate and they'll throw him on there and then they'll they'll force feed the great white and then the guy will get back on them and then fight the great white like what yeah Oh yeah! No, hold on, hold on. You got to back up a little bit. <laughs> Time out.
4: Slow it down. Throw Sorry. his partner in.
3: So, so he has his mate, right? That works with him. That's his, what I do. Okay. So his mate deckhand, deckhand. So he has a deckhand. They they ended up coming up. Oh, on You know what his...
0: we got in the mid- we got barges on the Mississippi. So deckhands more our language.
3: Okay. All right. So deckhand, the guy that works on the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, you, you want me to draw you pictures? No. Fuck, <laughs> Yeah. Can you please? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so his deckhand, they came up on a big whale kill. And they saw that there was a great white feeding on it. So they ended up taking the deckhand. The deckhand got onto the big whale kill, and then they ended up taking off a big ch- chunk of the So the whale's whale just out there floating. Yeah, so then it died, and then it's just floating around. It's just a dead kill. So like, he's out there walking around on this whale. Giant that, that whale. That smells good. It's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> and so he ends up taking and... Ch- Chunking off a piece of the whale and he got feeding like a it sawzall out there? No, just a big Whoa. knife and just like cut <laughs> off, slice a, it up. Yeah, and then put it on a hook, and he ends up feeding this fucking great white, and then ended up fighting it, and they ended up putting it in the boat. I mean, it was fish at, own. It's like huge. It's giant. The guy takes it to all the fishing shows with him. It's just it's mounted did. or something. Oh yeah, he's got it mounted. It's fucking giant dude. It's as big as this room. Jeez, oh, he have yeah. to bring a fucking semi with him? Well, they ended up having to call a. Um, a second boat to come in and help them harpoon it and get it into the boat and drag it in and everything like that, like back to the harbor and everything. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, dang. it's
0: nuts. Some real life jobs. How big? Shit. I mean, how, do you know how like how was well the weight approximate on something? Like that?
3: <clears throat> I would I would say probably north of a thousand pounds.
0: That's a fish. That's a fish. Giant. Thousand <laughs> <laughs> pounds.
3: And the thing is, like right now, we have more great whites in our area than we've ever had before because the seal population started to move up. So like you hear like Cape Cod and like having all these great whites. Well, now our local area has a ton of great whites. And so many times, like last week, uh, one of our captains was out fishing and they ended up having a, um, a great white come up after they were bottom fishing and had like a poor gear sea bass come up and the great white was trying to eat it off the customers hook off the back of the boat maybe like a five footer.
0: Oh really? Yeah. So it's
3: so becoming. I'm sure more they beca- still
2: get caught every once in a while, don't they? Oh yeah,
3: yeah. Guys catch them because we're shark. We're out shark fishing and right. we, you know, you take a, a bucket of chum, you throw it in the water in a net, and then it just spews out pieces of bait, right? Yeah. And so every shark's gonna come. I mean, it's not just limited to one type of <laughs> yeah, shark. Yeah. So, <laughs> so guys will see these giant. 10, 12, 15-foot great whites come up So what the you time. do you do if you hook one? So I was
1: going to say, well, how does the catch and release program work on that? <laughs> well,
3: the problem is that? You have to remember how fast they are, right? So nine times out of 10, they don't even land these fish. But if you do end up hooking one knowing it, you just cut the hook and I mean, cut the line and then just keep moving on with your day. Oh, really? But you don't want nothing to do with that thing. I mean, that thing is going to – I mean, it's like hooking into a freight train. Like, you're I not going to stop gonna it. going to fuck you up. Yeah, dude. You're how, talking m- about, how
0: many people get lit up every – year by them
3: which is the thing it's like around us right now like none like not that many people get hit with great whites up north i mean i think cape cod maybe has one or two in the past couple of years but they've kind of told people they can't go up past their knees or whatever you know um but i think our local area and i say this all the time we have a bunch of surfers off the end of long island uh new york and i think that this year is going to be the year if it's not this year it's next year someone's going to get smoked because all the guys are out there surfing and they look like seals. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And that's why I stopped spearfishing, bro. I don't know. Like you see me, like could you imagine me in a wetsuit, bro? I look like the tastiest seal you ever seen in your life. I'm like, just done, you know. Nice big slow yeah. one, right
4: there. <laughs> I could definitely catch that one. Yeah.
0: that's a that's a coal seal right there, boys. So
3: so going back to it, um, I brought down Thresher steak, which is Thresher is really good eating fish. When so you can, you can eat mako's and threshers. Um, they say you can eat hammerheads too, but I've never had one. Um A lot of those they actually piss through their skin, so you well, can't. Well, sounds get,
4: delicious.
0: I'm <laughs> sorry, man, that we're we're still getting we're trying to get to what you brought, but this is interesting as shit to us. I, sorry to me, it is no. This is great. I love it. Um so, they so through their skin. Yeah, piss through their skin of course go ahead. That's
3: that's how sharks <laughs> ended up that's how they go to bath and they piss through their skin so they're not makes sense. It's like taste when you kill one that pisses through their skin it smells like pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't eat those ones. So mako's and thresher's they do not. So then now they're edible. And like I was explaining to you guys with the thresher steaks, they taste like it's like it's like ribeye. It's it it looks and it well it doesn't look but it it tastes like a steak like the texture, texture, the texture. of it. Yeah. And, but it, it's just like a fish steak. It's crazy. It'll mess with your head. It'll It'll mess with your head, not fish sticks. We ought to do a video.
2: (laughs) We
0: we ought to do a video for our Instagram or your Instagram of us trying them or something. We should. Absolutely. So how do you cook those? Like, do you cook them like well, or can you cook them like, so So, you don't have to cook them?
3: Oh yeah. You got a shark. You definitely have to cook. So I just do it. I just marinate it in like Italian dressing or like a, a ginger teriyaki and then just put it on the grill, just cook it all the way through and then just cut it. Literally and just eat it. I do mean, we have
2: gas for the grill? If not, the, the, um, I will is a derogatory term. Um, the gas station <laughs> hasn't.
0: <Okay>. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: just what you do in the Midwest. <laughs> the gas station hasn't. <laughs> yeah. So we brought um,
3: some of that and then we brought some, uh, the, the famous, uh, striper, uh, fish cakes. Very nice. nice. Yeah, It's
4: exciting. That's exciting. Yep. Getting hungry. You're always going to eat well when Trev comes back. Dude, you, oh, you
0: yeah. East Coast boys bring in the good shit, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, because I you guys just bring it all. Like even Sean and Dan, they when mm-hmm. they come up for to hunt for a week last year, they brought all the stuff. I'm like Hey, they know. Oh, dude. <laughs> got, what that got do, baby. What, what that got do, baby. <laughs> they know we like to eat.
3: <laughs> well, you gotta remember too, man, like like we like I take for granted all the time being on the East, right? Because like and I'm like, I want to move to the Midwest. I want to move to the Midwest, right? And then everyone's like no, I want to go to the east and fish, right? We have that, and yeah. we, but we kind of take it for granted because I want to come to big buck country. I want to live in big... I want to shoot big bucks. You guys want to go to the east, so we actually... It, it, we have the best of both worlds, right? Cause yeah, we get yeah. to come out here and you guys can come up there and whatever, yeah. but you would never leave that. Cause I, how the hell am I going to leave the fishing world? Yeah, in right, world? Yeah,
2: next blood. time, next time we come out, I'll bring some shitty Mississippi catfish out. with me. <laughs> <laughs> some, some mud fish, <laughs> just some mud butt fish, <laughs>
3: but you guys have good taste in whitetails. Our whitetails taste like shit. Do they? Oh, I mean, well, they don't, they don't taste like shit, but they have, there's a different, there's it a different depends taste if you get it. them up in the
5: laurels where they're living on the pines and that junk through the winter, you know, yeah, there's right. no, no eat, real ag, not like bark. you guys have. You mm-hmm. know what?
0: You know, you mentioned that, and I don't know how my other Midwest boys in here feel, but I killed, a few years ago, I killed a buck. There was a really good, I think there's a spring down there in this bottom, and this buck came out of the bottom. I think that's uh, that Big Ten you helped me with, Austin. Mm-hmm. There's a spring down in there, and the water's just, like, super clean where he came out of. So I think he was bedding low and came up. That buck was, a. Uh, I guess, would would be a five-and-a-half-year-old mature whitetail was the best tasting whitetail I've ever had. No
3: and kidding. I don't
0: know it had something to do with, like, the water he was drinking. I'm just I'm shot in the dark because otherwise you would think, like, man, I shot him, like, November 3rd or something, and he was pretty ruddy and pretty stinky, but the meat was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's a little bit of variant from deer to deer, and I wouldn't say it's, like, huge, but I remember just, I think my expectation was this deer is going to taste like a buck, and right. it was delicious, like, really good. I don't know if you guys have any experience with that. If, like, there's – if you know deer probably drinking fresher water. Is that silly that I'm assuming that? No, I don't think so.
2: I think every deer kind of has a little bit different taste to it. Yeah, I agree.
3: It's totally on their diet, you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. I would think so, but I just wonder how much, like, water,
4: you know what I mean, like, plays a difference in how they taste. I think a lot of it is aging the meat, too. I've done a little bit of research on what's the ideal time frame to let meat hang. And then when you go to process it, and that has a lot to do with the, the tenderness of the meat. So maybe that deer hung for a day or two longer than what you normally would have or something. Really be, I always yeah. tell the
2: story too. We had this old boy in camp that he would let it hang till it got a real thin layer of mold on it yep. and then trim that off. I'm not
4: that brave, but that's he, pretty brave. You
2: trim it off and then <laughs> yeah. butcher it out. And it was, there's I mean, a science, was damn there's good a science deer. to it, man. Yeah. It has when to be dry to though. It, it can't
0: be hum- humid when you do that. Right. Right. Because otherwise I think that, It's going to spoil. The bacteria would get into the meat, not on like the surface. Because I've seen guys, you know, when you, you know, when you skin a deer, how it kind of gets like a glaze, Mm -hmm. and like you can kind of like touch the meat, and it's kind of like a hard Mm -hmm. yipped glaze. What you want? I think that's probably. And then once you got that, as long as it stays dry.
4: Clean,
3: cool, and dry are the big ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are it's like been...
4: any
2: other b- meat, too. I think they do it with beef and
0: everything else, yep. don't they? Let mm-hmm. it hang.
3: Well, because, like, hang, hanging beef has to hang for two weeks.
0: Yep. 14 right. days. Oh, yep. it does? Yeah. Yep. Why? What's?
4: Tenderness.
3: tenderness. They just do it
0: for the taste and tenderness. tenderness. yep. I didn't know if it was, like, they had to let it hang because of whatever reason.
4: But No, I guess
3: that's, like, the norm, though, is to hang it for 14 yeah. days. I
0: don't know. I, I should know more about so that. But that would be interesting to do that
2: with, like, a deer. like Because, like, most times, you know, we'll take it to a... We'll Mm -hmm. took you down to butcher and they're butchering up that night.
3: So my family back home, they, they had, we had a, a butcher, a butcher farm. So we would do pigs and cows and everything. I don't know what the reason is, but we would have to hang beef for 14 days and then deer like everyone would want to hang it for like six, seven days. They mm-hmm. want to have it aged, and then they would have it cut. So we would like circulate it every week or whatever. I don't. I would say I don't know the reason, but that's what that's just what my uncle would say. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like you got to mm-hmm. hang beef for this, you got to hang pork for a couple of days, and this. That, Probably you know what the, what
0: they found mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. this tastes better, ends up better if you. Yeah, it's just the perfect amount.
5: The of checklist of it down, so mm-hmm. it's nice and tender. That meat marbles real well.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting stuff, man. Like the shark meat thing blows my mind. Like, I, I'm so excited to try that. Oh, yeah, for sure. You so, know, do you, do you
1: hang a shark?
3: No, no. <laughs> we don't have time for that, man. Like, like, getting that thing in the boat and breaking that thing down, you want to get that thing done as possible. I mean, this the one that we killed this week was 350 pounds with 70-something inches. Wow. So when you get that thing in the boat, and there's two of us trying to get this thing in the boat, the first thing you want to do, you just want to break this thing down and get done with it, you know? Like, yeah. It's kind of crazy, actually. So they don't have any bones. They have one bone that runs down the middle of it, like and the it's vertebrae? cartilage. Yeah, that's it. So you literally, like, you just, you cut around that and then everything else is just steak. So it's pretty much like, I was talking to Stephen about it, like, so if the thing's 350 pounds, your yield is 10 times more, right? Just cut the head to tail and everything else is all meat. So how, is, do you, wow. how do
2: you clean it? Do you just cut the head tail off, throw it on ice or what?
3: So Yeah. So you just have this big section, right? And then you just cut it off in sections and then you, you go in and you just cut out the cartilage in the middle and then it makes what like, like, their, be like their, four
0: stakes. Their, like their gut and the like organs, like how much of a space is that taking up?
3: It's so you have the top it's like so if I could kind of explain it, it would be like a top loin, right on like Mm -hmm. a back strap and then it would just have the stomach cavity. But it's really not all that much, man. It's it's kinda tiny actually, believe it or not, for the size of what it is. And you just you just take it and you just take out the cartilage and it'll be like four stakes. I mean, just for, you know, turns. So it'd be like there's like a silver skin in between each Loin, I Mm -hmm. guess we can call it, Mm -hmm. and then you just cut it out, and then you just cut it into smaller steaks, and then package it up. It's sick, actually. It's pretty cool. And you do this all right there on the boat. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, we got to do that one of these days. It's so cool. Yeah, you just take it, and we just so I'll cut it up into sections, like maybe like like four four foot sections i mean not for four foot like you know two foot sections and then you just cut it up and you just stake it out and that's it so bizarre so it's you, crazy how, how so simple. You, i have to do a youtube video on. when it.
1: you take off you load coolers full of ice and you're already set up for it so then you
3: so a lot of those boats actually have like fish boxes in the bottom underneath the the boat and you just literally it's full filled up with ice and you just throw the fish right inside of it you know like we'll chunk it up or whatever like tuna for example, you core them. What that is, you just take the head off, take the guts out, and you just throw it right in there. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, okay. And then you just, you know, it's like gutting a deer, right? And mm-hmm. you just you just do it, put it on ice, and then you just move on to the next one. You just keep filling up the cooler, and then when you get back, okay. then you take care of everything at the dock.
0: Simply Steve, have you done a lot of fishing like this at all? Or
5: I, I'm actually not an offshore guy. Yeah. I like to stick around more on the freshwater side, rivers, yeah. lakes, streams, creeks. Yeah. And uh, the couple of times that we've made it up to get on the, the big water with Trev, Either nothing was happening or we had absolutely horrible water. Yeah. Oh, like just so, choppy and all that yeah. or what? I mean, then side drifting and <clears> what we're in, seven-foot swells or something. No kidding. Doesn't work well for me.
0: I wouldn't like that. I, I'd probably get sick. How yeah. far off the
5: shore do you guys go?
3: So it all really depends, honestly. like So a lot of stuff, so when we look at stripers and stuff, it's all inshore. And then we kill, you know, when we're going shark or tuna fishing, that's offshore, maybe... Uh well, we've been killing some sharks real close but oh, cuz they've been coming in but normally tuna fishing is 20 30 miles from the dock. Holy wow. shit. That's yeah. a long way I mean, out. mean that's that's short. That's just a, that's your inshore stuff. When you start hitting the the um the continental shelf, you're talking 70 80 100 miles from shore. Jeez. And you've been out that far? Oh yeah, that's we not fish that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's shit. a big yeah. canary. Yeah. It's amazing out there honestly. So it's just I feel like I'd lose track of which
0: direction you were supposed to go.
3: Yeah, I mean, we have GPSs and compasses. I mean, right. it's just like being in the big woods, right? I mean, yeah, you just yeah. you pay attention to that stuff, and yeah, you just, but it's nothing like that, Trev. No, nothing like that at all. Actually, when, <laughs> when when shit goes down out there, man, it gets nerve wracking. I mean, every time I go to leave to leave for offshore, I mean, the anxiety is pretty high. Like, you know, what's the weather? What's going on? You know, can the seas change? Is the wind going to change? Is the tide going to change? Like, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, man. Because you're far from shore. I mean, if something goes miles. Home, yeah, I mean, the continental shelf is like you're talking right around seventy to eighty miles is where you start hitting some. The continental shelf we call it the canyons
4: now at the shelf what is your depth where it's shallow and then where it falls off like what depth wise what are you looking at there
3: so like we go in (laughs) uh which would be oh man so it goes in fathoms. So we start fishing right around thirty to a hundred fathoms. So there's what the that what's a fathom? Oh man, of course. Um, <laughs> well, you're on our show. I'm you? just so, I'm just so interested
4: in this because on the Mississippi, like a deep hole's like thirty foot. Yeah, right. Oh like no. you're
3: we're fishing like twelve foot. You no, know? you're talking you're talking probably six seven hundred feet of water. Yeah, a fathom dude, is six, six feet, just
5: that, six feet like, to one six fathom. To a fathom. Okay, oh, really?
3: So a so hundred fathom is six hundred feet that's what you're fishing for devs <laughs> and the thing is so so when you start getting out there and you start sword fishing um there's a lot of bottom dwellers but like a lot of the stuff that we fish for is all on the top so we fish tuna up top we fish and we're trolling so you're fishing tuna and uh, mahi and all kinds of other stuff on the top and then you f- start fishing like um swordfish and um Man, tile fish and there's a lot of stuff that's bottom dwellers also. Mm-hmm. So we have electric reels and you fish on the bottom and okay, how Dude, are it's reels not, on this I mean, thing's gotta be the size of so, a crane. Yeah. So when you hook up <laughs> when you hook
4: up on something and it's six hundred feet down, it's like an electric wheel, it, it'll bring you bring it up for you. And then
3: you start yeah, then you have to you Obviously, fight it. Also, you know, like you're on the reel, but you just start reeling it with the electric reel, and it starts coming up. And then sometimes you got to turn the handle. Oh,
1: lucky you'd be like Popeye reeling it. that thing by hand all the way up. When I just, <laughs> Trev, one just one arm, fuck, you know. When,
3: when, when I first mind blowing, this is crazy to me. When I first started doing it, man, we did it all by hand. I mean, we still do because I mean, the electric reels a thousand bucks north of that, you know, for a cheap one. So like, Sheesh. you have to spend a lot of money. You have to bring battery. I mean, there's a lot more stuff that goes into it, right? Like. Yeah. You have to remind you, I don't do this every day, the offshore stuff. The offshore stuff is like me going deer hunting. Like I fish inshore. That's what I do mm-hmm. every day. And then our fun stuff is to go offshore and do that. That's that's the more of the fun stuff. So you get to kind of do that every once in a while. So I don't do it all the time. Wow. Dude, that's
0: mind blowing. Sorry to like deep dive on all that stuff. It's just so interesting. Like, you know what I mean? You never, you always see it, but you don't know the details of it right. or know, like, I don't know half the terminology you just said, like it's mm-hmm. Spanish to me.
4: Um, going out, going out that far out 100 miles offshore and 600 foot down like that's not for a midwest boy that no. doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun <laughs> to me i think i'd be shitting oh uh, i'd do, I'd, do in <laughs> I'd be nervous as fuck
3: it's amazing though like and that's i say cow. it to everybody for for anybody that hasn't done it man, i'd be nervous it's an experience of a lifetime like yeah. when you get out there man like the sea turtles the waves i mean the whales the dolphins the life i mean it's like national geographic sometimes yeah. when you're out there and like the things you see and just a. It's it's a once in a lifetime trip, man. It's like yeah, it's, it's like for us going to, to go to Alaska or us to go to somewhere somewhere crazy to hunt, right? Yeah. Like you just it's a big deal. Yeah, it is, and it's fun, and you got to do it at least once. Yeah. I mean, you really do. I mean, just to go out and experience it and see what it's all about. it, it is a really cool, cool. You thing, can do outside.
0: that like as your job, pretty much. You know, and well, it is your job. Yeah, and then so I don't want to jump I know. from Sorry. that to like make your job <laughs> not seem as cool. But like, what do, what do you do, man? Like, because I know I think that's worth bringing up. We probably should more often because of the grind of. The podcast game, which we covered, and then your day job is—that's not easy to do. So you guys are at that hundred episode mark is impressive because that shows the commitment. So, appreciate. That. I know you're—you know a ton about computers and stuff like that, which fits it, in well. Well, it, it's—it's kind of odd. Like, <clears throat> I almost
5: considered myself the redneck tech before the whole redneck tech crew came out and became big, mm-hmm. because the End of the day, this was not my forte. I had nothing to do with it growing up. Uh, came from a cattle ranching family, yeah, and got into the military and got out of the military and then ended up in kind of I appreciate that, mm-hmm. kept me out of trouble, yeah. So that's about it. <laughs> now it's getting me into more trouble, but we won't go into that. <laughs> uh, so basically. Had a rear admiral that I had worked for in Virginia, had reached out, had a program and said, look, you guys understand the military, how these programs work, how the equipment works on the ground. We need you to come over and kind of liaise between the technical nerd side mm-hmm. and the user side. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the what. middleman. That, that's what led into it. Well, four years into it, I realized I hate the corporate world. Yeah. God, yeah. they're the biggest thieves you ever met. Mm-hmm. So I walked away. Ended up getting a, a government job just doing, you know, IT support, we'll say, in general. And yeah, we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't get to work on as cool of things, but I get to work on some pretty cool stuff that I really don't want to put too much out there. But uh, Say no more. <laughs> uh, Cover down two really cool sites and uh, a lot of historic stuff. Get to see a lot of things a lot of people don't get to see. I've got to build some servers and equipment that are in some... Pretty cool places. Yeah. So on that end, you know, that's really where the tech side of it came in mm-hmm. and sucked me into cameras and mics and the whole gear aspect of the podcast. So, Yeah, because right
0: that's we ended up talking about gear a little bit, and we were talking about we bought a new computer for some stuff we have coming down the line, and you're like... Which we it, thought was
2: really badass, which it is. <clears throat> oh, it is. Oh, Don't get me wrong. Oh,
0: absolutely. We bought the best one a dude could just go out and buy, I think. And then, uh, well, I mean, depends what for what we need. And then you are like, I could have just built you one. I am like, God damn it, <laughs> yeah, you probably could have. <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> That's
5: all right. That's all right. There is time. We got things going down the road. You know, hey, when you the need the next a, one, he's building for. When us. you need okay. a video specific one, you know, we'll sit down and we will get something set up. Hey, We'd have two. There you go. Hey, it, we might need four. Hey, you never know. I just have monitors here, just
2: and then I'll look yeah. over the monitors. <laughs> you are like, <Mr. laughs> <You're> like, <Mr. laughs> like Mr. Wilson. We see your yeah. yeah. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: can you build one monitor that has like transparent? covering that way i can look through the monitor funny enough i'll show
5: you the the computer i just built yeah for work like the shell is like laugh. clear it's literally the front screen of it is a computer screen that's transparent
0: really so i've seen a lot of guys have and i don't know if it's just for looks but it's like looks like there's like liquid running through it or if it's some sort of like co- that that's cool. actually
5: a cooling system for the computer because when you build these custom high-end computers mm-hmm. basically just like a car engine it gets hot you know, what's, yeah. what's the worst thing for performance? Heat. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you get down that rabbit hole of, you know, I want a fast computer that can do this stuff quick, clean, and efficient.
0: Just the fan. got to cool it. Air cooled is no longer acceptable. You need freaking yeah. water-cooled computer. It's like that old two-stroke. You know, you want to
2: put more power <laughs> exactly. to it. Put, put some liquid in there get to cool nice it down. <laughs> so, yeah,
5: when you get on the gaming <laughs> side, you see people put, you know, the cool liquid colors and the yeah. lights and all of that. But at the end of the day, man, it's just, just freeze-cooling the system.
0: Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. That's that's interesting, as shit, though. I mean, I yeah. saw that, and I'm like, damn, that thing must... I mean, I don't know shit about it, so it looks intense to me, yeah. and you it looks to, like a lot. You got dipstick. I, you got to check it every once in a
4: while. <laughs> <laughs> Change the oil on yeah. it. Don't uh, want to run it out of water.
5: <laughs> literally, the only way I... Figured this stuff out, is I got sick and tired of my old stuff taking forever to kick out videos and whatnot. I was like, How do I do it bigger, better, faster? Yeah. And just, you know, like everything, just head first, arms back, dove right in, it was like, I'm going to build my first computer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Man, I feel like a freaking nerd.
0: That's cool. And the <laughs> first time meeting
2: <laughs> so, you, I would have never guessed mm-hmm. you did this shit for oh, a while. No, dude. It's yeah. also that's why
0: you got hit up to do the, basically, the user to the tech side of things. Right. You know, it's, yeah. And,
5: and that's, sense. it's the funny thing because here, no one would look at me and think, tech. Mm-mm. But when I'm at work, everyone looks at me and they're like, what the hell are you doing here, dude? Really? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in there and, you know, the WCB hat and boots and, you know, yeah, yeah. whatnot, you know, camo half the time I'm in there and everyone else is, you know, suit and ties or yeah, government you're not, outfits.
3: You're or, not fitting the crowd. You're standing like, a little bit. Um, Can I see your ideas? Like, yeah, dude, sure. <laughs> I get each
2: year? I got actually you, work yeah. here. I belong yeah. here, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think
3: it's one of the greatest things, honestly, because, especially for, you know, just a duo of, of for the podcast because, you know. Steven can dive into that stuff, like went and got a drone and all this other stuff and the tech stuff. And I'm like, You're sitting here
0: listening to this podcast and you're thinking about your arrow setup randomly. And we highly recommend Victory Archery. Um, I like the Rip TKO. That's an arrow I've been shooting for years. I have no desire to switch, but I kind of want to explore what else is in the Victory Archery arrow library, if you will. Um, the Rip TKO, though, is my favorite. I've had awesome success from Whitetails to Turkeys to Bears to antelope and we know some good buddies on our team that are going to take the victory arrows I, I don't know if they're going to run the rip tko or something a little heavier or what they're planning on uh for a moose hunt coming up so i like the rip tko if you're switching your arrow setup or want to just try something new check out the whole line of victory arrows hey everybody you probably got a dog don't you who doesn't
3: who doesn't love dogs why don't you treat your dog though get him a nice bed from thermoseat it's got the soft tech foam offers your dog that beanbag feel. You know, why not treat your, you treat your butt right. Why not treat your dog? Right. Check out thermo seat and the thermo bed for your dog. I'm blown away at that. Cause I Damn. have no clue. You know, I'm like you, Kurt, like and not everybody else in here probably actually, and have no idea. And Steven just jumps right into it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do pictures and this and that. And it works out really well, man, especially yeah. with some of the new stuff that we have coming down the pipe, like our YouTube side and our videos and stuff like that. I mean, we did a, we did our um, our hunt this year, and Stephen filmed it and put it all together and edited it, and it was like, wow, man, I could never fathom that. It's awesome, yeah. and it was
5: it was early on. I, I ain't gonna lie, geek out on the cameras and the film and all of that work. I love production work. Yeah, that that to me is soothing. You know, mm-hmm. getting done
0: doing even a show in post. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. it more, but I, I know enough to be dangerous. But I, I definitely don't consider myself an expert. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's fun. It it sucks you in. Turn your hard work into something that people can enjoy. So. Right. Hey, I want to talk podcasting a little bit going back to this. um, Who's who in the about 100 episodes that you've had on who has been your favorite or who stands out? To each Ooh. of you.
3: Oh, Steve, you can start that one because I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, God, that's a real tough Basically one. Basically, I'm asking that question. So, if someone want, hasn't listened, they want to check out an episode they know. Yeah, if they were going to go listen to one, what would it be? Yeah. Okay. If I, give, I mean, give us the one that people should listen to and then your favorite guest so far.
3: I got that. Hit it, Trevor. Will, Will Jimeno, man, was probably our number one best podcast, hands down. Will Jimeno is, if you guys haven't heard of him, he he's he's a true American hero. Mm-hmm. Um, This man was, he's a hunter. I won't go too much in depth. This is a pretty
0: recent podcast, right? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, Will was actually part of the.
5: Um, Wait, what part of he kind of got stuck Will, in? Well,
3: no, but he was <laughs> a. Uh, he worked for the city of New York as mm. a um, Port Authority officer. And he is one of two people to survive from the. Who t- actually were underneath the Twin Towers. Oh, Avid wow. hunter. This dude is amazing. One of the best people I've ever talked to. Bleeds red and white and blue like nobody ever. ever. And this gentleman was supposed to be hunting. On the day of 9-11, he was chasing a big buck. His wife told him, he says, that buck will be there during rut, and you'll kill him during the rut. So he went to work that morning, and did he not know what was about to happen? And he goes through a whole story, and he was one of two that survived, actually survived from being underneath the Twin Towers. And his story is absolutely incredible, man. And we got off that podcast, and we literally didn't talk, man. I was in tears just listening to the story and what he went through, man. It was absolutely incredible, and that's probably by far the best podcast we've ever done. Wow, that's like awesome. a okay. I got yeah. goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, it sounds it. powerful. Yeah.
0: Ooh, that would, I would.
3: And I think his story yeah. needs to be heard, too. I yeah, know what he sure. went through, and and it's just it's next to none. What it episode really
0: number is that? So people are looking.
3: Oh, Jesus. I don't even. Pull
2: I, it up. I, I'm on it. Steven's man. on it. I'm on it. Well, you're on their website. You could probably. Yeah,
3: uh, uh, yeah you have to go to listen. list. What was his
5: name again? Will Jimeno. Will Jimeno. Tune
1: in?
3: Uh, yeah, you can click on that one.
1: Man, that's crazy.
3: Yeah, I want to listen gonna, to that I was one. was
1: going to go hunting, but I went to work instead. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he and and it's crazy because he goes through the whole story of like how it how it all taken off and he, there was 5 of them in in his his little group of guys and they literally him and his sergeant were the only two that survived and he lost 3 of them while he was down in there, man. And it's incredible, dude. Pass it? Um, do, 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 do. right there. Tapped or trapped yeah, under t- the trapped twin. under the Twin Towers. Oh shit. Yep. That's him right there. Uh episode uh seventy eight. Boom. That's the one, episode seventy eight. But it's just incredible, man. And now now he's um he's completely injured and he can't work. So now he just he hunts a lot and travels around. He just wrote a book. Um uh, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't, have, I don't off, want to quote it wrong, but yeah, he ended up writing a book of a uh, children's book and an adult book about it. No kidding. Yeah, no nobody... there's,
5: there's a big, big movie for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's mainstream. Was in the theaters. The works. His.
2: No whole story. Oh, he was actually buried underneath there and yeah. survived. Oh, yeah. Literally. So, oh, shit. Oh, I thought he
5: was
0: in it and like just made it out. No. Okay. So what happened was he went buried in. Under both towers. He, he went oh. in and
3: he was in the tunnel between one and two. And it all collapsed on top of him. He wasn't up in it. He was Port Authority for the George Washington Bridge, which comes across the river. And he ended up leaving there and going to the Twin Towers. Went to the Twin Towers. They started gathering all kinds of safety gear with a cart. And they start going underneath the Twin Towers. And it ends up collapsing. No shit. So he's That's inside. How loud that would have been. Yeah, he yeah. said it, it was just insane. The story's I nuts. I got
2: to listen to that. It's, yeah. it's
3: incredible. And the, boy, and the boy is a hunter. I mean, the boy, he hunts all over. He does all... He's still... I mean, his thing is turkey hunting with his little ones. I mean, it would... It, it really humbles you when listening to that story. I mean, especially, you know, us being outdoorsmen and him being outdoorsmen. And it just humbles you how, how important it is for him to be in the outdoors and in the tree stand. Like, he don't even care if he kills something.
4: Mm-hmm. Just
3: just just taking in the birds and whatever. And yeah. it, that's all the stuff that we do, but at a whole new level, man. Mm-hmm. And it really humbles you to be in the woods. It really Oh, does.
0: man. That's intense. Absolutely. Yeah. Damn. Well... From that, that's a killer recommendation because I have not listened to that one. I will. Um, who's your guys' favorite guest? Not that you are like you like them over somebody else, just like what interview do you think was interesting? Or do you feel that you guys killed it?
5: I, I still, honestly, one of my favorite shows to date was Cliff Cadet yeah, from Urban Archery NYC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the the story and conversation we had, you know, listening to a, you a need to guy do- from the middle of nowhere in the inner city of new york wants mm-hmm. to pick up a bow and go hunt yeah i mean that, that
0: was a blast yeah he's a good dude mm-hmm. he's a good dude what about you trip
3: um favorite honestly hmm, that's a tough one man it is we have some really good guests pick one just pick one come on
0: just do it. Do just do it. Do it. Um, for? Okay. Orton, let's ask, this is my next question. Who would you absolutely never have on again? Thanks, bro. Appreciate <laughs> 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 it. Um, Shots fired. Geez. Okay, I'll take the first
3: one. <laughs> uh, I could, I'll answer that. I'm not that. Uh, no, you don't, don't got to no, do no, I'm that. just kidding.
5: I mean, there's this guy named Kurt that we had yeah,
3: on. Yeah, Dude, that guy. Fuck that fuck guy. Fuck that guy. Total fuck dick bag. That guy, yeah. He's so conceited. No, just kidding. Dude <laughs> thinks
0: he's cool because he's got holes in his ears. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I can't really say that because a while. What a fag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's, there's definitely
5: been a couple that, uh, you know, afterwards were not that they were bad people. This is the way it goes. Shows, but man, some people are just not made to be on shows. Yeah, it's just the way yeah. it
0: goes. Some people even make you work for the interview pretty hard because they just don't know how to talk on it or whatever. Yeah.
3: I think, honestly, one of my favorite recent ones um, was Philip Glass. Um, we started going over a lot of stuff about Africa. I'm I'm pretty passionate about Africa. Uh, I have family that's from there and stuff, and always hearing about it and hanging out with PHs and stuff, and how important it is for us as hunters here. Talk about conservation. I mean, conservation over there is is something that well, that's the we'll model never, that keeps
0: everything going.
3: Right. Well, the problem is like by me where I live in the armpit of America, liberal central. They they literally just banned the importation of the big six, and what that really does. And we went into this on that podcast it was. Just how how impactful that is for that country, like, and how important it is for us to go there and hunt, and other countries to be there and hunt and learn, like, about what's going on over there. And these guys are making these assumptions about about over there. With how much of the money goes in the economy, the food that goes in the economy, all these things that go into it. And these guys just don't understand it. Yeah, you know. So we kind of dove into that, and that was kind of fun for me because I'm passionate about it. You know, yeah, I yeah. really, right. I really
4: right. I, I'd go to Africa. I think. Yeah. Am but, I living under a rock? Am I the only one that did know you couldn't import the big six anymore?
3: Well, it was I, just in Connecticut right now. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a liberal
4: shit.
0: state. Wasn't there an import ban for a while, though, on a lot of the animals in Africa? Like they stopped it?
5: They they tried to after the
0: whole Trump
5: it back up. Leo Lion oh, really? whatever yeah. situation that was.
3: Well, the whole Cecil thing. So I got a little bit of insight on that. Cecil, that guy was a was a younger PH, mm-hmm. um, and he's like, you know, like you guys have these bands here, right? So the banding is the study of the turkey, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same as what happened with Cecil. He had a tracking collar on him. They found a kill. They got the legal um, paperwork to be able to hunt that lion, and what ended up happening was that young PH never saw the collar. When he came up on Cecil and it had the collar on it, he freaked out and threw it in the woods. Oh, so Duncan. now, so now he that's what got him. Yeah. So that's because he, he freaked out, but it's part of the mm. study. Right. I mean, like when you kill it's something like that band. has a band or, or a tag or whatever, yeah, it's a legal kill. It's part of the study. Right. Well, him being a young pH, he freaked out. That's where all of this trickled down from. This is the story that I got from another pH in Africa. So, yeah, I mean, it could all be a lie. I don't know, but it sounded good. And, um, hey, they just go with sense. it, man. It's yeah, making a yeah. good story. Go with so, it. So, so that's what he told me about the whole Cecil thing when when that had happened was because the young PH just freaked out about it having having the collar, and then they started investigating it and so on and so forth. And yep. that's where it kind of kind of shifted. And was wasn't that lion
1: an outcast anyway? That's why he's by himself.
3: That's a big thing about the lions over there, right? Is that you have if you could have an inner circle, right? That's a safari, and everything that gets pushed out of there. Gets kicked out of its pride because a big thing with the lions, right? In my understanding, is that um, if you go and you kill a lion, another mature lion's going to come in and kill that that one lion's young, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why they like they don't like the killing of the lions. Well, with Cecil or any other big mature um, lion, they push them out of the pride and they go out. And then you're killing them on the outside. You're not actually killing them inside the safari, quote unquote, right? Yeah. So they wait until they push them out of pride. That's with all the African animals. So you're just killing the mature ones that come out that are going into the normal population of everybody Mm -hmm. else. So that's kind of how that happens. So you're not, even if you killed Cecil.
0: I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I feel like because we're talking about it, it should get brought up a little bit. Uh, You see this Barstool Sports article, another American poacher has killed the beloved lion in Zimbabwe and it's time we start selling licenses to hunt poachers. Um, so I'll be honest, I haven't read all this. <laughs> oh, boy. But from wow. my understanding, it's... That doesn't sound like biased media. Yeah. So from my understanding, um, it was a legal... There's Cecil right there. It, that was That's Cecil? Yeah, that's Cecil the Lion. So from my understanding, this was a legally taken Lion, but I haven't read it, so don't hold me to it. But I know the issue is, um, like, a lot of... Hunters are in that bar stool like, community, and I know you see some of those, like, hunting pages that call people out for unethical behavior or not really standing up for hunters and being owned by the... Well,
2: I like right there, go down a little bit, it says the th- the hunter thought to be American, so they don't even know for sure.
1: <laughs> right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but, like... Well, that's for... just a picture of a lion. The for... actual picture of Cecil standing there, he's kind of a butt, really. Yeah, he doesn't... He's not an impressive-looking lion.
3: It's like a big, mature buck. Yeah. You know, they get, I mean, you can, can tell, right. tell by looking.
1: Okay. He looks, he looks very mm-hmm. mature. He's, he's an old dog. Yeah. He looks like old dogs in general, just wore out. I mean, is that his mane around his head yeah. there? Yeah. It's Manes. like, it's like gray. <laughs> it's it's man- pathetic. Mangy. <laughs> so, um, what basically what the
0: issue is is like, um, like Sydney Wells, Tim Wells' daughter works for Barstool. And I know she was getting called out by a lot of these people like, hey, you're, you, you, you're an advocate for this, like you need to, you work for this company, you need to make a stand and and do it. And then, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but Meat Eater and Barstool are owned by Churning Group. They're in the same family. It'd be mm-hmm. like Outdoor Group owns Elite and Slick Trick, and if Slick Trick, all of a sudden everybody, <laughs> just thinking about the irony of this, <laughs> if everybody from Slick Trick just became against shooting animals, right. and then Elite was like, yeah, but I don't agree with that. <laughs> okay, well, what are you going to fucking do about it then? <laughs> it, it's kind of like, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to get into this whole thing right now, but I think this is worth mentioning. Like, I am a fan of Meat Eater. Um, but, like, the whole churning group thing, when we ask, like, um, when we asked Ted Nugent about, hey, what's your opinion on this churning right. group Meat Eater? Like, are we being infiltrated from the inside out? And his response was, well, Steve's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. I'm like, well, that's not what I asked. Like, this is it was a touchy subject. It, like. it yeah, was yeah. touchy, and then I feel like when you bring that up to bigger people, The first thing they do is they go, you know, if you're watching this on video, they're going like, "Nope, I I like them. They got good judgment. I, I'm out. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. Right. Yep. It's like we're being infiltrated. Mm-hmm. The big deep pockets are going to get us from the inside out. Well, it's and in like, today's day
4: and age, you got to have your guard up about everything political. I mean, the hunting game that we're in and everything. Yeah. So. Yep. yeah and I get it to a point like you know if you really don't know, don't really you know I'm not gonna
0: like if you ask me if I was in this situation, I'd be like, I'm looking into it and I'm gonna do something about it once I get every angle right, get educated on it, but yeah. with a lot of it, it's like you know we're months into this a year into this, two years into this, and like we're still cool with like churden group being anti gun anti hunting and then allowing their outlets to be posting anti hunting media that's clear, clearly biased like this.
1: And encouraging hunting a poacher. Yeah. Yeah,
0: right. Well, it, it, see, it, it and that, killing a person. That yeah. part makes yeah.
1: me laugh anyways because
5: who's over there hunting the poachers already? Our former U.S. servicemen and women. Yeah, and whose yeah. money
0: is going to help fight the poachers? The Ours. conservationists, the hunters. $100, yeah. yeah. So
5: we're already doing that, guys. Don't put a post up. We don't need your help. We got it covered.
3: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. We need to stand <laughs> for that. Just boycott them.
0: I agree, but...
3: Because what are they really do doing do? for us?
0: What Nothing. do you do? Yeah, I mean.
3: Well, to what level are they going to go?
5: Yeah, right. Our, our right. 10% of hunters versus 90% of non-hunters hey, or antis. Hey, watch your hunting show or, on Netflix. Or, yeah, or, it's or, there. Exactly.
3: Or, or, or even or even the, the uneducated. I think a lot of people are just uneducated, and then they read something like that, and then they jump on that bandwagon. I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, and most of
2: the time, they don't even read the damn article. They just read the headline. Right? And I and, didn't read the article. Clickbait. Right? I
0: didn't. I, I admitted bait. it. But it would have been different if I would have been like, this is all wrong. Right, right. I just read the headline, no. though. Like, seen the- if I came in like, with uh, super opinions on details of it, it, was like, I didn't actually read it.
3: Have you <laughs> seen the Netflix series, um, Trophy? No, I have not. Bro, go and watch it. It's honestly one of the most important things when it comes to African hunting, right? So they they decided that they were going to fall around this dude, Philip Glass, right? And they were going to talk about how hunting is so bad, and they were going to try and like turn against hunting in Africa. Well... What they didn't know is that they were mind fucked when they actually followed this guy around and what it actually takes and what it actually goes into. Like the rhinos, for example, like what they do for conservation because the poaching operations that go over there to try and cut off the the horns of the the, um, rhino, the white rhino and how they're, it's nuts, dude. You just got to go and watch it because it it actually turns the page of what hunting really is in Africa and actually shed a lot of light and it was in with on Netflix, so a lot of antis ended up watching it to see what it is because they thought that it was going to be that realm of like shitting narrative. on hunting, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, and it they, turns around.
4: They might have realized that without hunters, there is no con- conservation in Africa. Yeah. I mean, we are conservation in mm-hmm. Africa. It's a free for all if we don't. We're yeah. not over there. There's yeah. no money and everything. Yeah. You know, it's. It's crazy. I didn't know. I have to watch
0: that. It's, I, it's I was expecting crazy. you to say like it, they just bashed us the whole time. No. Okay, that's they good. were
3: trying to, and it just did not work in their favor. And so they, I wonder they if they're putting it out.
0: The producers were there and were like learned this like as it was going. Oh, on. Oh yeah.
3: I mean, they filled. They followed this guy through and hunted with him in in multiple places. And for di- they did does a the, lion hunt with them. They did a rhino hunt with them with different hunters, obviously. But yeah. Does the production kind of show like the change in mindset for the people? That oh yeah, oh, it does. Oh, very oh, yeah. cool. That's awesome. oh, that, I'll have to watch that. Though. That yeah. sounds good. It's incredible, actually. And I mean, you know. Obviously, like you know, I've never been to Africa, but it directly affects us. Oh, I would go. Oh yeah, I would. I would go one hundred percent. I think it would be incredible to just see it and 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 everything like that. My biggest thing about going there, honestly, is that everything wants to kill you—from a parasite to <laughs> ten thousand yeah, pounds. Right. Like everything wants to kill right. you. You know what I'm saying? That's scary. You gotta. That's
1: no different than said, Louisiana. Yeah,
3: you're right. <laughs> Texas. <laughs>
1: Good for that guy, though. Seriously, for even allowing this, these fuckheads to follow him around that don't want him to kill yeah. anything. He That'd was be going really hunting home. with him. Well, Like, I didn't... wouldn't want anybody following mm-hmm. me when I'm hunting. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, no. he probably realized the opportunity there to actually open some people's That's eyes true. up that mm-hmm. wouldn't normally follow him, so good for him. Hey, no, did yeah. we
0: ever tell you guys – well, well um, we're getting to the end here. Did, remember the – I don't know if I ever told you guys about this. I, don't, I think you guys knew Austin Ross. Remember that uh, production company that reached out to us last year? Yes. It might have been yes. a year and a half ago, two years ago now. A year and a half ago? Probably a year and a half ago, yeah. We got – A company reached out to us from, I think, from New York City that was going to produce this reality show for one of these, like, major networks. (laughs) And they found the podcast and reached out to Eric and I and a couple other people in the industry and wanted to film a series of us taking this, like, these inner city hipster, like, liberal type people to the Midwest and teaching them how to hunt. And that's how they pitched it to us. And I was like, that could be cool. Like, you know, we'd be interested. Right. So Eric and I did like some interview stuff with them. Well, then a couple months go by, they hear more. They started making the sizzle reel for it. Like where they're, they wanted us to get on and do some video interview stuff. And I'm like kind of hearing it out a little bit. I'm like, I don't know about this. So we get in the next meeting. It was like, okay, Hey, we just were, it was, we're zoom meeting with these, this production team from New York, New York city. And they're like, okay, we need you to like say certain things on camera that way we can cut it and like pitch it to these networks and (laughs) and, like this company was legit like they already had like i don't even want to get into it because i don't want to like them have them pick us apart or anything but they have shows that you watch that are very popular that are on discovery channel history discovery hgtv all the major networks like that so i'm like this they know how to do this and it ends up they're like they wanted me to say something i don't know what they had you say eric but okay i need you to say something like hell yeah i'm competitive and I was like, "What do you mean? Like, like, what do you mean? Oh, this is a competition. Like, you take you're taking your hipster out, and you're competing against another hunter and their hipster. Taking your hipster out, <laughs> like you're taking your dog for a walk. That's my word. That's my wording. They worded it different, but <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take your
3: liberal out hunting. But that, that, that's that,
0: right. That'd also be my wording. Um, but that's basically what they were saying. I'm like, so this is a competition." Between, I take my yell And it's out. taken
1: five meetings to get to that point. Oh, even then, months. Months.
0: And I don't know. Maybe they decide not to use us. I don't know. Because I was kind of like, I don't like this competition thing. Well,
4: they like, weren't being real clear right out the gate. So that's nah. a red flag from yeah. the get
0: go. It was freaking weird. And I talked to some people because, you know, if Eric and I were going to do this, we're like, make sure you get your contract and you have this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, we would have had to hire lawyers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I heard rumor like when the Landry's, like Troy Landry, the. Uh, I don't know. If, I've never actually watched an episode of the show. I just know him from the shoot him thing that the first I heard this. I don't know how true it is. The first year he did that show, they just paid him uh, gas money for his boat. Yep. Oh, and he was just stoked to get gas money because he boat. just signed the contract. He didn't know what was in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that's uh, false and just a rumor, but yeah. that's just what you hear. He's like, you know, if you ever get an opportunity to do something like that, make sure to lawyer it up. And but anyway, nothing. I, I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, oh, I never heard back from them. I know. I was thinking I actually thought about it the other day. Yeah, it's been. It was over the holidays we were doing all that. Not this, not this last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. So it's been about a year and a half.
3: That's nuts. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it's kind of weird,
5: right? It's funny how the liberals walk away from the people who were smart enough to think for themselves.
1: No shit. <laughs> I was
0: like, oh, this is a competition. Like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, it sounded like a setup to me. Mm-hmm. I it was definitely weird. Because what would have happened was they wouldn't have picked fun people to go hunting with. They would no. have been the worst fucking human beings. Uh, to- oh. total oh. <laughs> just total a total uh. Karen. Just a <laughs> let me talk to your manager haircut the whole yeah. time.
5: Karen's and Richard's.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, don't be a Richard. Bad. Bad. <laughs>
3: well, I, I appreciate you guys making the drive. We appreciate you having us, bro. The outdoor drive. It's What's always up? worth it. Hey, hey, there we, you go. We learned right. a lot about fishing. Yeah. They, Sorry about that to you hunting guys. Anything you guys no, want to plug awesome, or yeah. talk about or anything while we're... We're here. No, I think
5: if they want to
0: know more, they know where to find us. Yeah. Yeah. Come check it out. It was a fun podcast. Get to learn a little. Just conversate in general.
3: Yeah. And I mean, if they want to follow along with any of the hunting or fishing stuff, I mean, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, Outdoor Drive, East Coast Trev, Steve Outdoor Drive. I mean, we're out there. You'll find us.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Appreciate you guys. No, we appreciate you, dude. and, And
3: thanks for paving the road, man. We really appreciate that, honestly.
0: Just hustling, dude. That's it. You know how it is. Appreciate you guys. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Hey guys, I know we're at the end. We're switching it up a little bit with the veteran shout out. Um, just try, trying at the beginning, trying at the end, trying it in the mid roll here and there. Um, the veteran shout out, you can submit your own veteran at workingclassbowhunter.com forward slash veteran shout out. And it is presented by Operation HHA USA, United Service Members, uh, uniting service members in archery and helping servicemen and women get back into the outdoors. Um, we have all the information. Um, on the veteran shout out tab where you can submit your own veteran as well as the 2021 um, archery shoot tour for HHA USA so submit them there help us with uh pronunciations. however and, you say that yes and then uh, we will do our best to get to them so Doug is not here so we're taking over Eric and myself and uh, Eric
2: take it away all right this is submitted by Norman Farley and the veteran name is Aaron Hall Pretty easy last names there. Thank you. For, <laughs> thanks for having easy names. Aaron was a specialist in the 101st Airborne Charlie Company, active duty from 2008 to 2011, doing doing one tour in Afghanistan. Then did Army Reserve until 2016. He was awarded the Army Achievement Medal during his tour in the Kunar Province. We grew up together and have rarely gotten to see each other since. He has come home. We do our best to keep in touch, but life is what it is. This man is my brother and the best man I know. Well, thank you, Aaron, for your service.
0: Thanks, Aaron, for your service. And Norman, for the submission. Thanks, Norman. Short and sweet. Right yep. to the point there. Short and sweet. Cool. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for your service. Thanks for submitting that. And, uh, yeah, submit your own veteran, com forward slash veteran shout out and check out Operation HHA USA. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's
1: awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.